It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, April twenty fourth, two thousand and fourteen. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight, and we'll look forward to your participation at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. You're listening to us live tonight. The video feed is there, and the chat window is to the bottom of that. We'll look forward to your comments there in the, on the program tonight. If you're listening to us in the archive version, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing to our podcast. We'll welcome your comments as well. Questions at collegeview.com anytime. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to have you be with you. And Monty is behind the controls. Monty, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be here. You ready to talk tonight? Maybe. No, well, you better be. And we'll look forward to hearing from you. And again, in the chat room, on the phone, over email tonight as well. We're going to go back about as far as you can go on the program tonight for an interesting discussion. Jacob, uh, I was listening to uh, a local talk radio program. Our Middle Tennessee listeners will know who I mean when I, when I mention Phil Valentine. Yes. He's a, he's a Nashville uh, talker on the radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is nationally syndicated, so some people in other parts of the country may recognize the name, but mostly we would know him here in Tennessee. Yes. Uh, he's I a usually, talker. He's a talker. Yes, he I is. usually like things he says. He comes from a fairly conservative political standpoint. Uh, not always, but typically he does. Uh, but when he touches on science or religion, he's just off the wall. And yes, he, he is. And he combined them both yesterday, and it got me thinking. That, he sort of got you fired up. Yeah. Uh, Phil's not a real scientific guy. He's the one who said, you know, we could solve this energy crisis. Now, thing. get all of this, Monty. Yeah, yeah, Monty, this is the way Phil, okay. was gonna, Phil Valentine was going to solve our energy problem. Electric cars. Yes. Right? Get an electric car. And mount a windmill on the top of it mm-hmm. so that when you're going down the road, the just going down the road will spin the windmill on top of the car, right. run a generator, power the car, you go forever. Yeah. He okay. actually was proposing that as a possibility. Somebody needs to tell him about perpetual motion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, so he's not – some scientific things escape him. And a lot of religious things. Yeah, he's not him. very good on, on religion or science. He's not very scientific or religious. Yeah. And so he combined them yesterday because he got off on the evolution-creation controversy. Now, he's he's a professed believer in God and Christ. Uh, I don't know what his religion is in particular. Uh, but he said, I don't think there's any problem with believing in evolution. You can believe in evolution. You don't, have, you don't have to not believe in evolution. Evolution and belief in God are very compatible. And, and you know, you can believe in God and you can believe that evolution is the way things happen. And that's where he got you. Uh, got me to up. think. Yeah, yeah. Because he said it doesn't matter. You, you can believe that. It's, you okay. can believe whatever you want to about that. Okay. And there's, there's no consequence to it. Okay. And I really think there is a consequence okay. to it. And as Christians, I believe that we have to uh, believe in the Genesis creation story, and we need to believe it 
adamantly, yes. and we need to be willing to defend it. So I, I thought that would be a worthy topic. We've talked about evolution plenty of times and and compared it to the creation account in Genesis. Uh, we'll revisit some of that tonight. But we sort of especially want to emphasize what are the consequences of trying to blend the two? Yes. You know, that actually has a, a name. It's mm-hmm. called theistic evolution. A little bit of God, a little bit of science there. Yeah. And you get, well, no, no, no science. No science. Yeah, no science. Modern science. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you get the idea of theistic evolution. The, theism or theo is the root for God. Yes. And so the the principle of theistic evolution, and unfortunately many people who call themselves Christians believe in this. Yes. That evolution really happened, but God was the one who caused it to happen. Yes. That evolution is the way that God created things. Yeah. And so when we when when science talks about evolution, these people say, well, we're okay with that because we just believe God is the one who put those mechanisms into operation, and he allowed evolution to take over and over a long course of time yeah. bring us to where we are today. Yes. And so they, they that is the notion of theistic evolution. That's because it has been so widely touted and stated as so much as fact when it is, in fact, theory that... Christians, I'm afraid, have sort of caved in and agreed, well, it must have happened, so how can we harmonize what the Bible teaches with what the Scripture teaches? I think that's it. One of our questions is going to deal with what is that motivation that causes Christians to want to believe in theistic evolution. Here's the questions that we sent out earlier today to our update list. We always remind you, get on our list if you're not. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Put add me to the list in the subject line, and we will do it. And on Thursday uh, around noon, we send out our... Topic for discussion that night with potential uh, discussion questions for you to to send us feedback. We got very little feedback. It must have been a pretty weather day most places because we got very little feedback. In fact, the only the only email that I have in my hand right now comes from our regular listener Chris in the UK. But through the marvels of technology, Kevin Kelly is getting awful close to us tonight, so we're probably coming in loud and clear. He's on I-40 between Jackson and Nashville, headed to Bowling Green, Kentucky tonight, listening in his car. I hope our signal doesn't overwhelm his receiver. It might get, yeah. yeah. And don't let it we'll get too hot. We'll probably bleed over into some other channels there, yeah. Kevin, so you'll yeah. have to listen to us all the way to Bowling Green. Yeah. All right, here's the questions we sent out earlier today. Number one, what's wrong with the theory of evolution from a scientific point of view? And then, in other words, I think... What we're asking there is there's a lot of problems with evolution, mm-hmm. just as, as it's, it's unscientific, basically. Yes. We'll talk about that. Now, if those things are true about the general theory of evolution, does theistic evolution solve any of the difficulties of just the, the atheistic mm-hmm. theory of, of evolution? Yes. So that, that's question one. Yes. Question two, what are some of the evil fruits that the theory of evolution has produced? Mm-hmm. Number three, what potential does the theory of evolution have to affect one's view of self or a person's world view? Mm-hmm. Number four, where is the theory of evolution, including theistic evolution, in clear contradiction to the scripture? Okay. In other words, that, we're going to point out they can't be harmonized. They, yeah. You know, they just can't. And number five, we hear it said that theistic evolution is bad theology. So, in other words, people who don't believe in theistic evolution say that's bad theology. What do they mean when they say theistic evolution is bad theology? And and I think it is, by the way. I think it is bad theology. So why would some who call themselves Christians be motivated 
to make that compromise with evolution. All right. We want to talk about that. All right. We'll look forward to hearing from you again tonight, 877-381-4567. It's toll free. Join in on the discussion tonight. Should a Christian believe in creation? Can we harmonize science with the Bible on the area of the origin of life? Let us know your thoughts on the program tonight. <clears throat> All right, let's just start out with the first one. We ask, what's wrong with the theory of evolution from a scientific point of view? Well, obviously, it has never been proven. Uh, it, it's frustrating. I think most of us are just continually frustrated by the fact that in the news media and so forth, every little hint of a discovery is reported as an established fact. You know, science has now proved this or that. Yes. When, in fact, it hasn't been proved uh, uh, I heard the, on the radio discussion, I believe it was last week, and it was not on a conservative radio program, but they began the discussion by saying we all know that we evolved from the apes or whatever. Yeah, well, we don't know that. No, we don't all know that. In yeah. fact, nobody knows that. That's exactly right. All right. Because the theory of evolution, the general theory of evolution, now I, I guess we should define it or identify it. When we talk about the general theory of evolution, we're talking about that theory that says – Way back in the distant eons of history, there was uh, uh, there was no life. Nothing was alive. Yes. You know, just just all non-living matter. But somehow or another, in an unexplained way, a bit of energy acted upon a non-living bit of matter, and a spark of life was generated. Spon- this is properly identified as spontaneous generation of life from non-living matter. Right now. Scientists, no scientist knows how that happens. And under the very best controlled laboratory conditions, they are not able to duplicate that. Manipulating every variable they can imagine. Under the best of circumstances, they cannot make that happen. They cannot. It, it baffles you them. Know, they, they, can, they can line up a few amino acids uh, you know, uh, or uh, you know, a, a few proteins, but they can't get a living cell. They, no. they, it's, it's beyond their... I mean, the best scientists with the best equipment in the most controlled circumstances cannot. But but we're supposed to believe that that happened. By chance. By chance, sometime in the distant past. Then every living thing that we see on planet Earth today evolved from that first living cell. In other words, it grew, multiplied, mutated, changed, reproduced. Of course, it took, takes a long time for all that to happen. Yes, you know, but Eons. that is the theory, the general theory of evolution. Now, I think, Jacob, we always have to, when we're talking about that, we have to contrast that with what we identify as specific evolution. That's right. Micro versus macro evolution yeah, exactly and, right. uh, is another way to put it. And Jeff in the chat room says uh, there has never been any scientific evidence to prove macro evolution or general evolution. But he says microevolution, yes, but not macro. In other words, specific evolution. An example that I like to use is if if we wanted to, in a laboratory, if we wanted to produce a strain of mice with long, long, much longer tails yep. and tiny little short ears, yep. we could do that. Yes, we could. We could play with the genetics. We could play with the the breeding, mm-hmm. and. Over, a, of course, mice are pretty neat things to experiment with because they reproduce so rapidly. Yes. Well, over a short period of time, we could see several generations of mice, and in time, we could do that. Yeah. We could have a mouse with a much longer tail I've and got very a, short ears, but the fact of the matter is he'd still be a mouse. I've got some evolution going on in my garden. Uh, I planted some corn that is a hybrid. It's uh, there's, It wasn't the type of corn that was, occurs naturally, 
But, no, uh, what you mean the American Indians did not know that kind of corn? They didn't know this kind of corn. Um, okay. But uh, you know, but it's still corn. It's still corn. It's not a rutabaga. No, it, thankfully not. Yeah. So, you know, in other words, that's – and so change within a species mm-hmm. is observable. Mm-hmm. Anybody would be foolish to deny it. But evolving from one species into another – that's what has never been observed. Never been and, observed. And, and so we say we believe in specific evolution, but not, not in the general theory. Not only has it never been observed, we have never found any evidence that it has ever occurred, period. Right. No evidence that a generic evolution has occurred. Money. Well, we know that even man has evolved to some extent because the early pilgrims, the ships they came over, like the Mayflower, which I believe they still have on the eastern seaboard, one of those uh, harbors, was a very you and I couldn't stand up in the thing. Somebody much over four and a half foot or five foot tall would have beat their head to death on the yep. inside the thing because humans were shorter back then than they typically are now. So as a species, we have gotten taller, but we haven't turned into something else. You know, I think that hasn't maybe not that long ago that that phenomenon has occurred because the guy who built the barn next door to me, he was a short dude. You couldn't walk in his barn without bumping Well, the your person head. that built our house, the basement, I have to be very he careful not to hit my head on the rafters. So, yeah, so there has been some change. Perhaps nutrition has had something to do with that. Sure, I think so. Okay. Uh, but we see that change. But right, right. Uh, again, so uh, I hope we got our definitions cleared up. So why is it? Why is the general theory of evolution bad science? Well, it contradicts the known laws of science. You know, we've talked before about the laws of thermodynamics. I think they're a little bit harder to... For us to grasp as laymen, but we talk about the first and second laws of thermodynamics, and aspects of the theory, the general theory of evolution, contradict the the laws of thermodynamics. Mike J in the chat room says, in my opinion, the theory of evolution argues against itself. They say the universe created itself, yet that goes against the law of thermodynamics. Explain that. Well, I don't know. I, I, well, the the idea that something comes from nothing. Yes. You know, I, I think is what he's suggesting. And there. the law of entropy. And the entropy, entropy. The law of entropy, which is the second law of thermodynamics, is the, is that's the law uh, that says uh, that things become things more, run down more more disorderly. Words, if over if time. I built a bonfire, as you often do in your backyard, yes, what would I expect to happen? Yeah. in a course of time, going to go down, it'll to burn down and burn out. Yeah. In, in other words, it'll expend all of its energy. It, it won't. It won't become something more organized. Yep. It becomes something less organized. Right. And that's the way things are in the natural world. But the theory of evolution says things happen just the opposite of that. But I think one of probably one of the clearest violations of science that the theory of the general theory of evolution uh, causes is the violation of biogenesis, the law of biogenesis. Mm-hmm. Now, now, all scientists believe in that. It's very it's very accepted and necessary law. The law of biogenesis says life comes from living things, and living things produce after their own kind. Mm-hmm. You said it's a law? It's called the law of biogenesis. It's not a theory? It's, no. You're planting a garden at your house this year. Right. So you plant several rows of beans. Yeah. What do you expect to come up? I'm hoping I'm... Well, first of all, where'd you get your bean seeds? I, I'm, I'm, they, got, they came from another bean. They came from another bean. Mm-hmm. And when you plant them, you expect them to produce beans consistently. Right. Well, you're relying on the law of biogenesis. Yes. And so is a farmer, by the way. In other words, if your garden started producing weird things, you'd just abandon it. Yeah, so what? But if you were making your living as a farmer, 
you you would definitely want the law of biogenesis to be observed. I tell you, all of us when we had our babies, yes, aren't we glad that living things produce after their own kind? So you have a baby, and it's it's not a human; it's a it's a giraffe. Well, Monty says I had monkeys, but, uh, <laughs> wild monkeys, but anyhow. So you devolve instead of evolve. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 again, those kinds of laws of science are violated by the theory of evolution. Now, if you think about that, and and the point we want to make with this with this first question, what's solved by theistic evolution? Well. Maybe they get some help from that first spark of life. Yeah. In other words, they could say, well, God is the one who caused that non-living matter to spark to life. Yes. And so theistic evolution might help the general theory of evolution by giving them that first cause. Yeah. But it's but yeah. then from then on, you yeah. got all the other same problems. All the other science. It's, yeah. it's wrong. Anthony says fossil records completely contradict evolution. There is no explanation for where information came from. DNA is a code. It contains information. The only source we can observe of information in this world is an intelligence. Thank you, Anthony, for that. He goes on, as for motivations, for th- that's a point we'll get to uh, in a minute. Uh, and Mike J. says, is there any other example of chaos and disorder randomly producing the detailed order to the extent that the universe and human life show? In other words, can you take disordered things and stir them up enough that you get order out of them. Well, I, uh, sort of along that lines, I've heard this analogy. Sit a monkey down at a keyboard. Mm-hmm. How long would it take him just banging around on the keyboard randomly? How long would it take him to produce an, uh, a volume of an encyclopedia? Right. Well, he never would, right? Right. He never would. But that's that's would be pretty simple compared yeah. to what we are supposed to believe happened by random chance in the in the natural world. I've heard it. It's also said as the equivalent of a tornado going through a lumber yard and building a neighborhood. It yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll get back. We need to get into the discussion of, well, you're talking about evil fruits. What in the world are you talking about? Some evil fruits of, from the theory of evolution. All right. We'll talk about those when we get back. All right. What are some evil fruits that you think come from the theory of evolution? Let us know your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Every thought is a seed. If you plant crab apples, don't count on harvesting gold and delicious. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. Appreciate the little things, for one day you may look back and realize they were really the big things. It takes less time to do a thing right than it does to explain why you did it wrong. Character is much easier kept than recovered. Man, wish I'd said that. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. We welcome you back on the program tonight as we talk about creation versus evolution. Why a Christian? Well, a radio host recently said, and well, he got your he got your hackles worked up a little bit. He said it doesn't matter if you do believe in evolution if you're a Christian. We say he's all wet, and we want to hear from you. Can a Christian believe in evolution? Maybe you believe in theistic evolution tonight. We'd like to hear from you why you believe that that corresponds with what the scriptures teach about creation. 
You know, I, just just before we move from this bad science thing, Jacob, uh, uh, a couple of other things that I think are really strong evidence against the general theory of evolution. One is the fossil record. You know, if things evolve, in other words, if um, birds, for instance, mm-hmm. our modern-day birds are supposedly the evolutionary descendants of the reptile family. Mm-hmm. In other words, way, way, way on back there in time. The the reptiles, some branch of the reptile family began to evolve and it became a bird. Mm-hmm. And now we have the modern birds as a result of that. Well, if that happened, it would have taken a long time. Evolutionists agree it would have taken a long time and, you know, gazillions of generations before you could get to the modern day birds. Somewhere along the line, we should have seen fossils that were, you know, Along the way, evolutionary-wise. Right. You know, they weren't quite fully reptiles anymore, but they certainly weren't yet birds. Right. It's we, a slope, gradual process. Missing links. Missing links is what we're looking for. Uh, I had a quote here from Darwin. Now, of, the, of, the evolutionist wants us to believe there is one missing link. You had an ape one day, and then you had something that was in between the next, and then the next day you had a human. There was just one intermediate step. Well, that's not true. I mean, that's not. I don't even think they believe that. But that's the idea that's presented. It's the missing link. There is no such thing as the missing link. But when you see these diagrams they've got, and they've got this ape-like creature, and then he's standing a little more erect, and the next one's a little too erect, a little less hairy, until you finally get to a man. They're showing a whole series of different, and they've got names for them. There's Cro-Mangan Man and all these others. Mm -hmm. But So they don't believe there's the missing link, but they always refer to it as the missing link. Right. The, yeah. It's not. There should be a missing link. There should be millions of missing or intermediate steps. Here's what Charles Darwin wrote in, of course, his famous book, Origin of the Species. He wrote, The number of intermediate and transitional links between all living extinct species must have been inconceivably great, he said. But then he went on to say, Intermediate links, geology surely assuredly does not reveal any such finely graduated organic change and this is perhaps the most obvious and serious objection which can be urged against the theory of evolution so darwin saw that he said that's probably your best argument if you want to argue against my theory he says probably your best argument is that you can't you can't see it in the fossils and you ought to be able to see it in the fossils Recently, I had the privilege of visiting the Creation Museum near Cincinnati, Muse- uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. I think I see Mike in the chat room who was gracious enough to take me there. And um, they, ha- I th- one of the things I found interesting there was they had a they didn't have the original Lucy mm-hmm. skeleton. You know, Lucy uh, was a s- some skeletal remains that were found in Africa, and supposedly. They One of, if not the first human, mm-hmm. that is, as as they, as we were evolving from the primates, mm-hmm. and I mean they they took that skeleton apart and analyzed it, and that was nothing more than a little ape. I mean, and and anybody who would honestly evaluate the the skeleton and how it was constructed. I mean, there was nothing human about it. It was clearly an ape, and and any anybody who would objectively observe it would come to that conclusion. So, uh, again, it's just bad science. Another thing, again, well, we're gonna we're gonna have to hurry. But an, another point that I think argues strongly against the general theory of evolution is the question of time. Time, yes, absolutely. You know, the, the, if evolution happened 
it requires lots of time. And, you know, and that's why we hear uh, evolutionists talk about millions and billions of years of Earth history. Yes. Uh, I think, I think, of course, they change this pretty regularly, but I think they say that the Earth... As as the Big Bang occurred, of course, everything was hurtled out from the from the center of the universe at the at the instant of the Big Bang, and that was about eighteen to twenty billion years ago. Right. And then, as things moved farther away, of course, they began to slow down and cool off. But it took a long time because I mean, it was really hot. Yes. And they and our solar system supposedly formed about four billion years ago. Earth. Has been here for in the in a reasonably close form to what we know now for four billion years. Mm-hmm. Four billion years is a long time, but you've got to have that kind of time, right, in order for evolution to occur. For instance, evolutionists would tell us that the dinosaurs became extinct sixty-five million years ago. Yeah, and so there you, you begin to get the idea that all that all of this. Uh, Theory requires an en- enormous amount of time, but there's a there's a I, I think an overwhelming body of evidence which says the Earth couldn't possibly have been here that long. Right. One of the ones we like to talk about a lot is the relationship of distance between the Earth and the Sun. the uh, The Earth is in a very a fairly narrow band of distance that allows liquid water to be on the Earth. If we were just a little bit closer, all the water would vaporize and the earth would be too hot to sustain life. Mm-hmm. If we were just a little bit farther away from the sun, all the water would freeze and, and life wouldn't be possible. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we are in a unique relationship to our sun. Mm-hmm. Now, we're supposed to believe that that unique relationship has been sustained for billions of years. Yeah. And that, it's, it, that it has been such that it would sustain life for hundreds of millions of years at mm-hmm. least. Yeah. But, but we know that the sun is burning up. Yeah. The sun is constantly shrinking, burning up its fuel. And over a period of millions and billions of years, there's no way that this unique relationship of distance between sun and earth could have been maintained. Evidences like that point to the fact that the earth couldn't possibly be as old as would be required. No. For evolution to occur. You've got sediment in the ocean that does not uh, support the, uh, the fact. You have a moon uh, dust. The dust on the moon. You know, when the, when the first astronauts landed on the moon, one of the concerns they had was that their, their landing craft would just sink up yeah. in the dust and maybe disappear. Yeah. And they found almost no dust. But the, but the moon is constantly accumulating dust from the from the from space like because it, it doesn't have a gravitational yeah. it has gravitational pull, but it has no, no atmosphere, atmosphere to right. burn it up. Right. And so all right, you go on and on. On uh, and on and so on. So you're on. saying it's bad science. Are you say? Are you telling me that scientists, as smart as they are, could be wrong? Are you telling me that? Well, I think that they are biased. I, I think that they have a bias uh, that causes them to want to believe in evolution because they don't want to believe in God. Well, I agree with that. In other words, so I think they're being forced to. They are being forced to this. Lousy theories. Not you know, it's really not even a theory. It's not provable. It's not unpro. It's, it's not uh, testable. It's not falsifiable. It's not even a legitimate theory. But these atheistic scientists are being pushed to it because they have the only other option that they can conceive is that of 
supernatural supernatural creation, and they don't want to go there. Uh, Scientists have been wrong continually, and they are still wrong. They're wrong today, they'll, and they'll figure out tomorrow that they were wrong about certain things they believe. Scientists are wrong, and uh, it's no it's no you know, surprise uh, that they could be wrong. A few years ago, there was a uh, a movie out, Expelled was mm-hmm. the name of it, mm-hmm. and it talked about scientists who wouldn't toe the line in academia with the theory of evolution. And they basically got expelled from the academic community if they offered any resistance at all yeah. because there's such a strong bias among scientists because they don't believe in God. They want to believe in, in evolution. Interestingly, in that movie, near the end of the movie, any of you who remember seeing it, Richard Dawkins, famous atheistic evolutionist, was interviewed. And he hinted at an alternative to the theory of evolution, which I really think they may go to in time, and that is space aliens. No, evolution doesn't work. And so their answer is not God. They're going to say we were colonized here by space aliens. Yeah. Of course, that doesn't really solve the problem. Where did the space aliens come from? You know, it it just moves you one generation farther back. But anyway, bad science. It's bad science. Grasping at straws here, maybe because we have an agenda, perhaps. Uh, Well, we were going to talk about the evil fruits of evolution. I guess we'll have to do that on the other side of the bullet point. When we get back, all right, when we get back, faster pace, we're going to have... Five questions to go, about 25, 30 minutes to do it. So we'll get your comments in fast. Let's get this week's bullet point and get your comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America. And I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. We often hear people use the expression, everything happens for a reason. This saying is the modern New Age version of the old religious saying, it's God's will. Is this true? Is there a reason for everything? Does God's will regulate all things? First, some things happen because God has placed certain natural laws in place that cannot be violated without predictable results. For example, a man broke his leg. Why? What was the reason? He stepped off a ladder and the law of gravity prevailed. In this sense, we can understand and acknowledge that this happened for a reason, though we doubt this is what the New Age crowd means when they use that expression. But we must essentially protest the claim that God has totally predestined our lives or that his will controls every aspect of our existence. The scriptures make it clear that God gives man choice. Joshua's famous statement makes this abundantly clear. Quote, choose you this day whom you will serve, Joshua 24:15. Likewise, we know that the invitation for salvation is open to all, but each one must decide. Quote, the spirit and the bride say, come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Revelation 22:17. So obviously God has not predestined everything, else these statements about our freedom to choose would be senseless. Further, we know that some things do in fact happen as a consequence of the choices God allows us to make. Good choices typically bring good outcomes and bad choices produce bad ones. Many are suffering the ill effects of things they chose to do or not do, while others are enjoying the benefits of wise selections. Moses advised the Israelites, quote, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. To put it simply, choices have consequences. And while that is a definite rule of God, the specifics are determined by us and our free will, not his. Finally, we must note that there is not always a clear one-to-one corollary to be seen in every event in our lives. Sometimes bad things happen to good people and vice versa. Why? 
Briefly, we can see the reasons, but often we cannot answer, other than to lay it to the reality of living in this present world with its physical suffering and death. We may not be able to explain them, but we can use even the bad things to provoke us to do what is right and just, as we seek for a world where such will never happen again. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Back on the program tonight, reminding you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You can find archives of previous programs, find archives of sermons presented to the College View Church of Christ as well as directions to our meeting place and times of meeting. We encourage you to check out our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You're listening to this in the archive version. You've got questions about what we're talking about tonight, or if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, maybe you've seen something in the news. That happens a lot. People send us an article say, I saw this in the news. That might make a good discussion on the Virtual Bible Study. Send us that link, or just send us a question you might have that you'd like to have discussed in this forum. We'd welcome your comments anytime. Questions? At collegeview.com. We're talking about creation on the program. Tonight. All right. Well, let's move forward. We asked. Uh, we, we could spend far more time talking about the bad science of yes. the general theory of evolution. But yes. let's talk about the evil th- fruits the theory of evolution has produced. Yeah, we got Chris in the UK. We yeah. skipped him. Yeah, on that's the first all right. One. But let's go to his answer to this. What are some of the evil fruits that the theory of evolution has produced? To be brief, it denies the scientific basis of a young earth. Also, it eliminates the veracity of Genesis 1 through 11, which in turn destroys Romans 5, 12 through 14, let alone the six days of creation, the basis of the Sabbath, the rank, decli- uh, the rank decline of morality, if you take natural selection to its logical extent. If it benefits me, then boo to you. I can take it, wreck it, defile it, so forth. That's the point. That, his last part of that uh, answer is what I was really striving at with the question. Someone, I mean, lots of people have accurately pointed out that all of the awful isms that the world has known in recent uh, centuries have been sort of rooted in the the view, the evolutionary view of life. Marxism, communism, fascism, Nazism, even racism sort of all can have a common root in the theory of evolution. We're evolving. So think about that. We're evolving. We are better than they are. Right. They should die. We should survive. What did what did uh, Adolf Hitler suggest? This, uh, a super race. You know. Well, you know. He, he saw certain humans as genetically superior to others, and so the others should be eliminated, yeah. and the special race should be allowed to thrive. Yeah. And so you know, uh, th- there's a lot of evil fruit that comes from. The, the thinking that's basic in the general theory of evolution. I would say that uh, pride is a, another thing that comes from it because we are evolving. Therefore, we must be better than our than our ancestors. And we have our ancestors may have believed in something like God because they they were sort of more intellectually uh, we, inferior. We're smart. Our brains have evolved and we're better than that now. Yeah, we we, we know so much more. I want to tell you we're no we're no smarter than any. Uh, evidence they could find of, of men in the past. We are no smarter than they are, and uh, and we don't need to be elevated in the pride that would come from something like the theory of evolution. All right. Uh, of course, if you think about it, some of the other bad evil fruit, promiscuity, abortion, homosexuality, the idea is if we're just evolving, then we ought to just follow our impulses because that's what animals do, right? Yeah. You know, and if I'm – and really – 
if I'm bigger and stronger than you are, I can take what you have, and I might just eat you while I'm at it. You know, why why not? You know, we interviewed Dan Barker on uh, the program oh years ago. Years ago, he's sort of a famous proclaimer of atheism. Yeah, and we asked him a question that he really didn't have a good answer for. From whence comes morality? Mm -hmm. From whence comes the idea that we should care for? The sick and the indigent and the unable. Why? Why don't we just kill them off? If you know, if we're just evolved animals, then they're certainly not doing anything to further the race. So we ought to just, not, uh, you know, kill them off. Okay. All right. Tim in the chat room says, "Greg, you openly lie on your show. You misrepresent scientists or science, and your rhetoric is losing ground uh, due to uh, the ability to fact check." Well, Tim. We'll tell it one, say one more time. We'd like to let you come on the program, 877-381-4567. We'll give you the rest of the program tonight to explain why we're wrong. Can we give him the rest of the program tonight and not say another word? Uh, I'd be glad for him to call okay. in. All right. Call in, Tim. You'll, you have the rest of the program till 9 o'clock tonight. We won't say another word. Call in and tell us why we're lying. Tell us why evolution is such a good theory that we should believe it. Tell us why it is not bad science. Every time we get on this subject, Tim wants to get in the chat room and dominate it, but he won't engage us in a uh, you know uh, give and take. Well, on he's air. he's worried that we'll interrupt him, and so we're not going to interrupt you, Tim. We'll give you to nine o'clock tonight, the top of the hour. Call in eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Won't cost you a dime. You can have the rest of the program tonight. We won't even take our last break. We'll let you have the the, the run of the show tonight to the top of the hour. Let us know why you think we're lying. Why do you think we're spouting this rhetoric that's so easily fact-checked? You have to the top of the hour. You have un, you have the open floor. We won't interrupt you at all. Give us a call. Let's see if we if you'll, we can hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts tonight. All right. Let's let's talk about a couple of related things in our questions. We asked, what potential does the theory of evolution have to affect one's view of self and one's worldview? Well, concerning self, you know, we've talked before on the virtual Bible study about what I think is misguided emphasis on self-esteem. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how for those who think self-esteem is important, certainly the theory of evolution would be a, a real slam to your self-esteem if, you know, uh, in, instead of we're created in God's image, as Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27 teaches, and we're created to glorify him and to do his bidding, instead of that, we're just the chance product of primeval slime, and now we're only an animal uh, pursuing our instincts among yep. other animals. I mean, who's just saying it's wrong? Yeah. Well, I mean, how, how does that make you feel about yourself? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, for that matter, how, how does how what does it do to your view of the world? Uh, the Bible, for instance, teaches that we're God's stewards of life here on the earth. We're here to serve him, uh, to point back, point others back to him. But the evolutionary worldview is that we're just the products of nature. Uh, we're only concerned with our own personal satisfaction and gratification and our survival and our reproduction. You know, you could see how there could be, in fact, a, a breakdown in civilized conduct if people really took the theory of evolution uh, 
to its furthest logical conclusion. Mike in Ohio says, evolution says we are just animals, albeit thinking, reasoning animals, but just animals. And we wonder why we've become a society that acts like animals. That, uh, well, there you I, go. I think that's it. That's what I was going for, Mike, yeah. there, is the idea, you know, again, why would I care to be kind to someone who's less fortunate than me? And, you know, maybe someone with a serious health issue or born with a deformity or, you know, why don't we just kill those people off? Because they're, they're not helping. They're not helping. We're trying to evolve to a higher level, and they're just dragging us down. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Monty. Okay, Monty I those, those people are a terrible burden on us, and it's very illogical that we would do anything to support or help them. The logical choice, if evolution is a fact, is that we would just get rid of those people and therefore further our cause and, and – and, Cause our race to become even more superior. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, and and really, evolutionists don't have an answer to that challenge. They really don't. Okay. All right. So we've talked about the evil fruit that this theory, of, general theory of evolution, has produced. We've talked about how it can really destroy one's view of self and one's view of the world as it ought to properly be viewed. Chris in the UK says, "If I'm an animal, then why not treat everyone as one?" I am not in the image of God. I can kill the unborn without remorse. And if life goes wrong, why continue living if I'm a chance event by random processes? That's Amen it. to that, Chris. Exactly, exactly Chris. That's right. exactly what we were trying to point out. Okay. All right. So we've got a couple of other important areas that we wanted to discuss. One is where do we, where specifically does evolution, the theory of evolution, including theistic evolution, by the way, where does that contradict plainly contradict what the scriptures teach. I've got one more thing before you get into okay, those contradictions. Okay. Chris says loyalty is not important as it affects your worldview. He says loyalty is not important either to my spouse as I am to keep my genes going or society as might is right and I must force my agenda. And if you resist me, that's your problem, not mine. Yeah, again, he's talking about the logical, uh, the, the, the terrible logical consequences of the theory of evolution. Yeah. You know, if, if as he said, why should he be loyal to his wife? Because what he's really here to do is propagate his his uh, ancestry, you know, get his keep his genes uh, in the in in moving forward. Dan Barker admitted that that's his that that he that's that's one reason to live is so that you can uh, procreate and, and and propagate your gen, your genetics. What a what a noble cause, you know. Would, what, would, what, that gets I, me going in the yeah, morning, doesn't I, that you? Boy, if that was my worldview, if that was you know. I, what would be the purpose of living? Yeah. Of course, I think that's true of anybody who doesn't believe in God. Yeah. What is the purpose of existence without God? And, and they, don't, they don't have an answer. There's no real good answer. All right. All right. So let's talk about where the theory of evolution contradicts Scripture. Um, well, uh, probably several places. Uh, obviously, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1. And we've talked about, in Genesis chapter 1, we've talked about how, about the only way that you can try to harmonize Genesis 1, the Genesis creation account, with evolution is to try to somehow get extra time in there. Okay. You know, because as we said, if you got to have lots of time for evolution to happen. So how can we, and so people have come up with ways of trying to squeeze that in. And one of the common ways they do that is what is referred to as the day-age theory, mm-hmm. that every day in Genesis 1 was actually a long period of time. It was an age or an eon. Okay. Uh, and, and yet, 
I, I think Genesis 1 clearly denies that. God defines what his days were. They, uh, even on the first day, Genesis 1, verse 3, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the, the light day, and the darkness he called night. And an evening and a morning were the first day. So God defined a day as a cycle of light followed by a, a cycle of darkness. Mm-hmm. Now, our good friend Aaron uh, in Baton Rouge and I have corresponded about this uh, quite a bit. He argues that you cannot say that that was 24 hours until you get to day four when God set the sun, the moon, and stars in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he and I haven't come to an agreement about that. I think he can make he, he makes an argument, but I. If that's the gift, he agrees that from day four on, they have to be 24-hour days. Okay. Uh, and so really, all of all of um, animal life was created after day four anyway. Yeah. So it clearly wasn't evolution. Right. Because we, we don't have living things. I mean, plants were created on day three, but uh, animal life was created on day four, five, and six. Well, actually, days five and six, actually. Yeah. Uh, and so those were 24-hour days in the recent past. Yeah. And so that denies evolution right there. Yeah, and I, I have a problem with that view just because God doesn't des- God describes it as a day that we would we would understand. I think so. I think the language argues that they were all 24-hour days. If it's not, so if they weren't all 24-hour days, then you got to you've got the meaning of a day changing. Without explanation in the course of that one chapter. And, and, God, I, and God presents it to us as a week, as we would understand a week. Yeah, I, I still think they were all literal 24-hour days. Uh, and it, it's certainly provable that from day four, days four, five, six, and seven were all 24-hour days. Uh, Aaron would argue that maybe days one, two, and three might be different, although I, he hasn't won me over to that way of thinking yet. No. But, but – uh, Genesis, the Genesis creation account uh, is at strong odds with the theory of evolution, basically because the time factor is just not there. Can't can't uh, can't, you can't work it in. Yeah, and, and of course there are some plain statements in the scriptures, like Exodus twenty, verse eleven, and Exodus chapter twenty, verse eleven. For in six days the Lord made heaven and the earth, the seas, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, God blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. You know, the scriptures say he did that. He did that uh, in seven days. And there's an interesting statement by Paul in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Romans 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, the, the, the invisible things of God have been seen from the creation. Mm-hmm. Well, if evolution is true, it was billions of years yes. after things were first created, before right. anybody was around to observe Right. The creative work of God. Right. So that would be a contradiction of scriptures. Right. I think there are others. Let's get our last break. We'll go to the top of the hour. We'll take your thoughts. Any what things that you see that contradict scripture when you believe in the theory of evolution, even if you think it's theistic evolution, would you think that that would contradict scripture? Why or why not? 
And then it's bad theology, you say. What about that? Is it bad theology to say that God was involved in evolution? Let us know your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The verse Bible study goes to the top of the hour right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. My name is Rick Harris, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. I hope you'll join me and many others in this weekly Internet Bible study group. Be sure to listen every Thursday night. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. The number of Americans getting divorced rose for the third year in a row to about 2.4 million in 2012, after plunging to a 40-year low in 2009 during the recent recession. This is according to the U.S. Census Bureau data. The divorce rate more than doubled between 1940 and 1981 before falling a third by 2009. That information is via Bloomberg News. The Word of God says in Malachi 2, beginning verse 15, Let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth, for the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight, going to the top of the hour, talking about uh, creation and evolution. Can a Christian believe in evolution without contradicting the Scriptures? Um, Before we get to that, uh, Chris in the U.K., let me see. I've I've got some. Uh, Chris in the U.K. says, uh, we are, uh, the theory of evolution, including theistic evolution, contradicts Scripture. That we're not wonderfully and fearfully made nor knit together in my mother's womb as before with Genesis 1, 1 through 11, Romans 5. As far as theistic evolution, what an impotent God we have as he is contingent upon a process like evolution. Yeah. So I I hadn't thought about it that way, but he suggests that perhaps it's a a slight on God to say that's – I don't think the theistic evolutionist intended that way, but – Perhaps. Ooh, I hadn't thought about John 1, 1 contradicting the theistic evolution of uh, theory. In the beginning was the Word, the Word is with God, and the Word was God. And uh, let me get down to uh, verse 3. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All things were made by him. So that would indicate that, uh, well, you couldn't have the variety of animals if Jesus hadn't created them. Okay. There you go. All right. All right. So we got one one category we want to, you know, it is said, the creationists say, that theistic evolution, you know, the idea that God used evolution, that's bad theology. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do they mean when they say that? Well, I'm hearing an increasing argument from creationists, and I've not made it myself, and I'm wondering what some of our listeners might think about the idea that there was no death and dying before the fall and sin of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. That, of course, there hadn't men, had men, humans hadn't died before the sin. But their argument is, and I wonder, and again, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a, a little bit on the fence about this. Their argument is there had been no animal death. Prior to Genesis three, uh, how do you support that? I don't know. Well, because you said you said so, Monty. Did because you? they said so. Oh, because yeah. they said. Because so. you don't see anything in the scriptures to support that, so it has to be just that's their notion, and because they said so. Yeah, but now here's the point they're making. If that was true, in other words, what does evolution require? It requires a lot of dying, right? Yeah. Uh, 
more generations have to come along. Old generations have to die. The, the weaker, the less, the, the less survivable have to die out. You've got to keep moving forward. A lot of death and decay and dying uh, to make the theory of evolution work. And, and they're saying that's bad theology because there's no indication of death prior to sin entering the world. And, yeah. the, and the position they're taking is that Adam's sin in the garden was a curse to all of creation. He caused a curse on all of creation. You, you could maybe get a hint at that in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, certainly the serpent was cursed in Genesis 3.14. Yeah. Uh, notice uh, the curse that God gave to Adam in verse 17. Unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In mm. sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shalt bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Mm. In the sweat mm. of thy face shalt thou eat bread for thou, uh, till thou return to the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. Now, I think that's where they're saying there's the curse. In other words, it wasn't just a curse to Adam. It was a curse to creation, to the, to the, to the earth, and that things changed. After the after sin, I, I'm I'm still. Go well, ahead, Monty. Would that be suggesting then that Adam and Eve didn't? Well, we know that they ate because he. When we eat a fruit, it kills it. Uh, a, a plant is every bit alive as we are. It's a different form of life than we are, but biologically, it's provable that a, a, a plant is just as alive as we are. So, if they was eating a fruit or a plant, and it's which is what they ate, then that I killed it. So there was some death well, going on. I, yeah, uh, of course, because uh, uh, evolutionists would would say that plant life had to die and evolve too, you yeah. know, over over well, generations. Um, uh, yeah, it wasn't. Um, so it what I was getting at that curse to the ground wouldn't was because of the thorns and thistles that was going to be such a hindrance, and he was going to have to work hard for his food rather than be able to casually stroll through the garden and pick fruit from the trees I or whatever. That. Now, it, it doesn't bother theistic evolutionists much because Adam and Eve weren't in the garden all that long in the grand scheme of things. They were Adam was 130 years old when he had Seth. They weren't in the garden at that point that we know of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but how long, when did their aging process begin? In other words, when Adam lived to be 900 and some odd years old, when did you start counting the time? Did you start counting well, the time? Well, yeah, why wouldn't you count it at the start? I mean, it it's a year from the year. Beginning. It doesn't matter if you're dying well, or like, not. Well, I think they're arguing. Again, I'm, I'm just presenting a point of view here for consideration. They're arguing that, that he didn't he didn't start aging, so he started dying, and that, and that, that was at the fall. Yeah, I think, you, uh, I don't I think there's a lot as of stories. As, as far as physical deterioration aging, maybe he didn't. But his age still started from day sure. one, just like ours does. Sure. I would think Otherwise, so, too. Otherwise, he was immortal until he ate of the fruit. I well, mean, he was he, eternal. He, well, he, he, had eternal. Had well, he had access to the tree of life until he ate of Who's the tree. Who's making this theory? Oh, a lot of the a lot of the creationist kind of people are. But Adam did have access to the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. Yeah, but you're talking about theistic evolutionist people are making this theory? No, no, creationists are making this. Why are they making this theory? Well, it's an argument against uh, evolution, if you could say that. There's no absolutely no type of dying at all. Oh, so wait, so just to take the day, they're doing this just to take the day age theory off the table? Well, well, to take, in other words, uh, evolution requires dying. And they're saying there was no dying before sin entered the world. 
Okay. I, I don't know. I think it's a stretch. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sold. It. I'm, I'm not, not buying I'm not it. Totally it, doesn't prove it. It doesn't prove anything. If there's no dying, well, we've got these intermediate steps. They're still reproducing. Uh, Aaron, so you have, so hey, evolution requires so you just reproduction. Whole, it doesn't necessarily it doesn't mean that the previous dying. generation died. Right, exactly. Okay. Aaron, uh, <laughs> that we've referenced in some of our discussion, he has, he's joined us in the chat room. He says, sorry to be late. I'm not convinced that there was no animal death before sin, but the story of Genesis says that through access to the tree of life, man was originally capable of living forever. That was lost because of sin. Now, that's what I would just say. Adam had access to the, to the, to tree, the of tree of life. And he, when he, he was cast out of the garden to keep him from accessing the tree of life. Yeah. You know, the only tree he couldn't eat of was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But he could eat of the tree of life, and so he could have lived forever if he hadn't sinned yeah. in the garden. But we don't know if the animals like that tree. I don't know either. Right. I don't know either. Okay. Uh, I don't, that's wild. I've never heard that theory before. I just don't, it's just, okay, it's we got, we, we just almost you, you, out of time. This has derailed the discussion. Go ahead. Uh, okay. I wanted to ask what might make Christians want to compromise with evolution? What would motivate a Christian to make the theistic evolution argument? Oh, so Ken Ham makes this argument that you were presenting because Aaron says he doesn't make this argument. Yeah. Assume. Yeah. That's okay. right. right. And and Mike in Ohio says this is just an assertion, no scriptural basis. I think that's right too. I just don't think I don't think you can prove it from the scripture. There might be some something that you you know something implied there, but uh, it, you're gonna have to really read Ooh. a lot into between the lines. <laughs> oh yeah, there's not enough between the lines to get to that theory. Yeah. All right. Uh, what would motivate a, a, a professed Christian to try and harmonize? science in the Bible, to come up with something like theistic evolution. Why do you think people would be motivated to do that? Why the motivation? Well, if I can get back to Anthony's comment, I believe it was Anthony uh, said, um, he said, for motivations for theistic evolution, wanted to be accepted by the world and mental surrender. Folks don't want to think or examine the evidence, so they'll they'll just believe the prevailing worldly theory. So that would be a whole lot like a lack of faith. Or taking the easy road out. Well, I think it is an easy road out, maybe a lack of faith too, Bonnie. Uh, in other words, we're just sort of surrendering because these atheistic scientists have made their made their presentation as though it is established fact. And so, if you're going, if you don't believe in evolution, then you're just denying established scientific fact, which is not true. And I, I think that's the big problem. I think a lot of Christians have. Uh, 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 allowed themselves to be persuaded that science has proved evolution and nothing could be further from the truth. They have not proved evolution. It's not provable. And so to to try to, or, or to prove an ancient earth and an ancient universe, for instance. You know, the universe is 20 billion years old. Earth is 4 billion years old. Everybody knows that. And so we we got to find we a way. We found this rock that's 500 million years old. You foolish Christians that think that uh, the earth is not that old. And, of course, we've talked about those dating methods uh, before. You know, we just should not have our faith shaken by the assertions of science. And uh, they they state things as though they are fact and they are not proven and can't be proven. Uh, So, anyway, uh, Aaron mentions, I think, uh, without going to look it up, Ken Ham would argue from 
Romans 5.12, sin entered the world and death through sin. I think that's right, Aaron, and referring to death in general, not just human death. All right. And a listener who identifies herself as Bronze Angel says, I think some Christians try to compromise and conform because they do not really believe the Word of God. Amen to that. I think that's that's got to be the underlying cause. Yep. And uh, Mike J. in the chat room says, Jesus and the apostles referenced Genesis and the creation story during their teachings in the New Testament. Were they mistaken, according to the evolutionists? There you go. Yeah. You, you can't have Jesus and have evolution. Yep. We're out of time, Jacob. All right. Good discussion tonight. Appreciate it. I our- think it's an important discussion. I, I do think that we need to defend the Bible truth about creation. Monty, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to be here. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Dad, for your time and discussion. Thanks, Jacob. Look forward to you joining us next week on the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.